Good afternoon. Welcome to another episode of Cast Club Radio. Lydia Cruz in studio alongside Maura Dooley. Thanks for being here on this huge weekend. Huge to us, two sports fans in the room, because Super Bowl Sunday, it's undeniable. And whether you like it simply for the football game, which sometimes I'm like, don't talk to me right now. The football game's on. I can't socialize (laughs) with you. But there's plenty of uh, other things to love about this holiday. There's the food. There's the drinks, beer, wine, and spirits, whatever your choice may be. There's the halftime show, JT, this year. I'm I'm going to be honest, pretty excited to see Justin Timberlake. And then there's also the commercials. If you're a nerd of about best of the industry, what they're putting out there, even their 30 second commercials, this is the time to see it. Yeah. I think Doritos is usually on point. Well, occasionally Geico will come up with like a really creative Mm -hmm. one on Sunday. They'll really go go all out. But I felt like then the last couple of years, my interest has waned a little. I feel like they've been slacking on their game, which is crazy because they're higher than they've ever been. Yeah, they cost so much. But I feel like they're starting to do more sentimental ones or more mo- a lot more movie commercials than there yes, used to be. Movie true. releases. They're not as funny. It's They're not bringing it as much. <laughs> well, in honor of the big holiday and what you might be celebrating out there, whether you are have a vested interest like Maura here, rooting for the Patriots or the Eagles, or you're just casual fan you might be observing and watching. We did a little list. We have a, a little list of Super Bowl facts, right, that you managed to find. Some of them pretty interesting. Some of them caught me by surprise. I thought it was a sports fan. Still learned a few things here. <laughs> What's first? So this is the second biggest day in America for food consumption behind Thanksgiving. It says that we go through 14,500 tons of chips, 4,000 tons of popcorn, and 8 million pounds of guacamole. Ooh, that's a lot of guacamole. I'm a guacamole fan. That's a lot of guacamole. Avocados are, the avocado trees are going to be bare for this holiday. And they're expensive too. Yeah. That kind of goes along with this one. The average Super Bowl watcher will consume 1,200 calories while just snacking. That's double the daily consumption of snacks. Adds up to more than 33 pounds of treats and more than $50 million worth of food. Pretty crazy. What's your go-to snack or your guilty pleasure on Super Bowl Sunday? You mentioned chips. You mentioned popcorn. Is there one that you just can't stay away from? I mean, I'll kind of go for anything fried if they have like mozzarella sticks out or, you know... Popcorn yeah. shrimp or any, anything yeah. breaded and fried. I'm with you, man. Jalapeno I, poppers. I won't say no. I'll try anything. Well, I thought this one is pretty funny. Are you one of the people who maybe makes a phone call to your boss on Monday and calls in sick? Well, you're not alone out there, okay? About 1.5 million Americans will call in sick on Monday, the day after the Super Bowl. And another 4.4 million expected to show up late for work on Monday. Oh, my goodness. Do bosses even buy it at that point? Are you just <laughs> are you just like, okay, yeah, uh-huh, you have a cough. Yeah. Okay, sure. We saw your social media, Bob. Yes. You know what you were doing. I saw the pictures <laughs> of you doing those jello shots last night, Bob. Okay. Well, we talked a little bit last week about the popularity of light beers. So for the Super Bowl, Americans will drink 50 million cases of beer. Ooh. But not all beers created equal. About 94% of beer consumed will be Bud Light, Budweiser, Coors Light, Miller Light, or Natty Light. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> so what's up with drinking all the light beer on such a... A holiday that involves nothing light. There's nothing light about the Super That's Bowl. That's what my feeling is, though, is that maybe you know you're going to be eating so much and you know you're probably going to have maybe more than a couple beers. So you got to go mm. with the light stuff to make sure you have enough room. Trying to balance it. You're, yeah. <laughs> no, I like it's not even about a, a balance. You're right. It's about just the fact that you need to have more. It's a, you know that you're going to want to have more seconds and thirds at some point. <laughs> so, OK. All right. Light beer is going to be the theme of the day. 
I also thought this one was interesting because it, it is winter. And I know there are some, you know, obviously warm weather cities where people can do this, but it's got to be more than just that with these numbers. They say Super Bowl is the second biggest grilling weekend of the year after the 4th of July. 14 billion hamburgers will be grilled at tailgating parties Ooh. across the country and 5,000 pounds of hot dogs will be sold during the game. Yeah. So imagine some people out there, especially in the Northeast, where this is the Northeast Super Bowl. They're going to be out there grilling. That's that's dedication. That is. It could be negative something, and they're still out there grilling. I'm impressed. I will gladly eat the fruits of your labor. For all those people who aren't cooking on Sunday, you should not feel ashamed. Plenty of people are in your position as well. They're getting takeout on Sunday. 48 million people still ordering takeout on Super Bowl Sunday, which I I don't know that I've ever done it, but I can relate to the urge. Just say, hey, you know, I'm not cooking today. I'm going to call in. Yeah, if you've got the money, it seems pricey if you're having a somewhat big party. But if I have the money to blow, I'd do it. I would do it. (laughs) Yeah. Just concentrate on the football. Concentrate on JT, not have to worry about anything else. Speaking of JT, there's some facts here on, on halftime shows. The early halftime shows weren't nearly what we're, we're used to now. Apparently, the Grambling State Marching Band, was they were the performers at the first Super Bowl. But as the Super Bowl became more popular, big-name singers and musicians performed during pregame ceremonies in the halftime show. The first highlighting solo star performer was Michael Jackson in 1993. So he kind of changed the game to to bring it to the huge, massive production that it is that we know now. Changed the game in so many ways. Matt, that's a good trivia question in case you are ever out of trivia night. Michael Jackson, the first one only star performer back in 93. My mom would be one of the people, though, that would be arguing that the marching band is really what does it for her. And she'd probably be <laughs> having a pushback for that. She gets some of really them excited with the that. dance routines and everything. Spelling I might take that over things. some of the past halftime performances. Yeah, that we've, we've had, had. We've had some some uh, less than ideal. What's been one of your one of your best perform halftime performances, one that you've enjoyed the most? Ooh, that's a tough one. I like Bruno Mars a lot. I did He's too. He's just an entertainer He's all around. Such a great entertainer. I, I, I was. I have to admit, confess, I liked him. I like his music, but when I heard the name, I was kind of skeptical. It's like, okay, all right. Seems he doesn't seem like the on that stage yet, but blown away. Yeah. Completely blown away. I also say I'm a sucker for Beyonce and anything she does. Yeah. She, it was pretty epic. She does everything 100%. That's for sure. <laughs> 150. <laughs> well, coming up on this hour of Cast Club Radio, we'll talk a little bit more about the Super Bowl, our personal experience of entertaining, what that's been like, some of the best things that we've eaten, some of the best things that we've drank, and making those for other people. How can you replicate it? We'll actually get an expert on the line, Shelly Buchanan. She'll get on the line and tell us some drinks that you can make for your party, whether it's for the Super Bowl or maybe you just have a Valentine's Day party, another one, another social affair coming up. That's all ahead in this hour of Cast Club Radio. Welcome back to Cast Club Radio. Thanks for being here. It's going to be a busy weekend if you're a sports fan, even a casual sports fan. Super Bowl weekend. Now, not even if you're a sports fan, you might just be hosting a party. You might be having people over because it's one of the biggest social gatherings, I would say, in American culture. Yeah. You know, I'm pretty obsessed with football, so I'm always excited for the actual game. But I've definitely thrown parties and had the majority of the people there not really care that much about the game and be more excited for the party aspect of it or the commercials or something else. There is something for everybody on Super Bowl weekend. I think that's part of what makes it so attractive to people. You mentioned the commercials. People are excited to see what the best offerings are from the companies. There's always usually a spectacular halftime show. 
So you could just tune in for that. Of course, there's the social aspect of getting together and drinks, good drinks and good food don't (laughs) hurt as well. So we'll be talking about some of those in this hour about our own personal experience. And we'll also talk to an expert on how to make some game day beverages that might attract a crowd. Uh, In your own personal experience, Mara, what's one of the best Super Bowl, whether it was making or just sampling slash eating at someone else's parties that you've that you've had that you've experienced? Well, you know, what's funny is this is actually really timely. I think uh, one of the best uh, foods that I've had at a Super Bowl party was during the last Philadelphia, New England Super Bowl. It happened, folks. And Tom Brady was also in it, if you'll believe it. So we're coming back around to that. So good. As you know, I'm a fan of the hated. My family's from Boston, so I'm a New England fan. One of my friends thought it would be funny to bring over a crock pot of Philly cheesesteak just to kind of be like... Just a needle to (laughs) poke the bag. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But it was actually really delicious and I think a really good idea because, yeah, she just put a bunch of the thinly sliced cooked up steak, peppers, onions, cream cheese, I think a couple Mm -hmm. different kinds of cheese, and you just put it in the crock pot and everyone can divvy it up onto some of those little Hawaiian rolls and have little Philly cheesesteak sliders. I like that. I like yeah. that. If you were going to counter with that and bring maybe a classic Boston food, what would what would be the good counter to that if you wanted to present both sides the wheel? Have have the Philadelphia cheese <laughs> yeah, the cheesesteaks represented. What could you get from Boston that's uh representative? You know, clam chowder, maybe. I think of uh, some some Boston baked beans. Oh yeah. Okay. Throw some, some Franks in there and <laughs> when you go to a Patriots game at, or at home, what was one of the things that you had to have? Like at the stadium, is there a comfort food or one that you are always like, ah, I gotta have this? I pretty much go nachos or brats. Just the, the classics, which yeah. also make great Super Bowl day party foods. You know, yep. if you just want to go basic and you want to go simple, I think that was one of the biggest lessons I learned over the years. I've thrown bigger parties. I've, you know, smaller affairs. And even at the bigger parties, which are great and are, they are a good time, I've just learned simplicity is is the best lesson yeah. I'll ever have. You don't want to end up missing out on your own party because you're you're playing the role of host or hostess too much. Exactly. And as and as both of us are huge sports fans, that's really, you know, what we do is our day job work over at 710 Sports that we actually like watching the game. And that's kind of important to us. So exactly right. You don't want to miss out on the actual experience of the game day because you're doing a million things. I will say there are a couple of simple things that I've done in the past that I've been either proud of or thought were easy enough and still a crowd favorite. One of them was uh, champagne jello shot because you're never too old for jello shots. <laughs> you aren't. You just it's aren't. always time for champagne. It is. I think champagne makes them slightly classier. I like maybe like slightly, or, yeah, yeah, slightly more adult. <laughs> Uh, you can actually, I did it with blue champagne because the Seahawks were in the Super Bowl that year. Nice. I found blue champagne and uh, made some jello shots. There's actually, it's, you can get the, just the, just plain gelatin and calls for champagne gelatin. There's even like a little lemon juice that goes into it and sugar, pretty much it. You can add vodka if you want. There's like an optional add vodka <laughs> if you want. If, or add gin and it sounds like you're doing a French 75 jello shot. I know. I, you know what? You just changed my mind. I'm a huge (laughs) French 75 girl and I should have thought of that. And that's, I think that was a crowd favorite. You can just make them in those little pre-ordered to go. They even come with lids if you, if you need to. And, uh, that was a there that was a popular That's one. A fantastic idea. Yeah. Food wise, my dad's side of my family is Mexican, so 
When I'm, when we're cooking for crowds, a lot of times that's the popular go-to oh, choice. Some of my favorite food. Right? And it usually it's stuff that you can make in big batches and that, and that plays well. So sometimes we'll make carnitas if it's a, if it's a big group, Yum. just making lots of meat. Uh, always works. We've done tamales in the past. We do like a tamale making party a ways beforehand and we can freeze a bunch of them and then just uh, unload on game day. But those are usually my go-tos when it comes to big parties. Simple things that play well with the audience and don't detract from game day itself. Yeah, a big pot of carnitas goes yeah. perfect for a crowd. <laughs> and then you don't even have to worry. The drinks, you can just have Coronas or, or something simple yeah, like that. right? So when it comes to the actual game day, since you are a Patriots fan, we have a little inside information. What are you going to be watching for? What are you looking for? I mean, what Tom Brady is doing is absolutely ridiculous. And I am not on the Patriots hate train. I am not of that. I will never dislike somebody for being great at their craft, a.k.a. winning. You're in the minority. I know, but I (laughs) do not feel that bitterness that some Seahawks uh, fans feel still towards the Patriots. Uh, What are you going to be looking for? I mean, if he is able, if they're able to win, that solidifies them as maybe the greatest NFL franchise of all time, I would say. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to it's hard to argue. I, I was telling you that on the morning show I work on, we had a guest today that informed us that Tom Brady will have participated in 15% of all of the Super Bowls at this That's point. And, nuts. and you were bringing up the fact that it's crazy that he played in the last Philadelphia New England Super Bowl because that was in 2004. <laughs> Uh, just the longevity, the consistency in a league that's set up for that not to be doable yeah. is it, it's really impressive. And uh, people might not remember, but they were an awful franchise for a long time. I actually just read a book on I mean, they were worse than the Browns. They were a laughing stock. At one point, they um, they drafted a deceased person. Um and yeah, no one realized until later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's really not looking that well into your draft your no. draft nominees. But um yeah, they they didn't have a stadium for the longest time. Um I read a story about one of their coaches getting introduced and then getting uh electrocuted by the microphone <gasps> at a press conference and oh having to gosh. go to the hospital. I mean, it was comical. They were they were the bad news bears exactly. for a long time. So I know that everyone's kind of sick of this. And I get it because I tend to root for the underdog when it's not my team. So I, I understand some of the hate. But <laughs> no, I but it's it's been an impressive run. People don't really think about that or know that if they haven't experienced it firsthand because they have been eclipsed by all the success over the last 15 years of just you would never think that when you see what they have become and what they've accomplished you'd never think of them as having been an underdog at one point even though they were (laughs) so that's pretty impressive it's going to be hard to root for them but you know at the end of the day what they're doing is totally unprecedented and I gotta say I I would like to see a little history being made on Sunday I wouldn't hate that yeah we'll have to see I I honestly thought the Vikings were gonna win the Eagles came out looking really impressive so I hope it's gonna be a good game if nothing else I I do feel selfish like just being like, no, I need my team to win another one. Like I, <laughs> I get if if they don't, they don't. But I just, I really hope that it's going to be a good close It'll matchup. Be a good matchup. Well, one thing that we can be sure of is that Phillies fans will be having a good time. We don't know if you've seen all these reports in the news lately of what is happening in Philadelphia, but I am honestly concerned for that city. If they win the Super Bowl, what might happen in Philadelphia? It'll be in shambles. Yeah. If, so if you don't know, several news stories have come out of ridiculous things going on in Philadelphia throughout the playoffs. I mean, this is sad. I'm not 
making light of this at all, but a man punching a horse, that has happened not Two once, weeks in a row. but twice, yeah. which is terrible. Also, what is this with the greased pole, like with the Crisco poles that's happening they now? city employees and police officers greasing up light poles with Crisco so that people wouldn't climb them. And it did not work. No. It did, it did they not were still deter. climbing them, which I'm impressed by, actually. I know. Like, it, I, like if nobody gets injured, I have to be impressed. There was a guy who was riding his ATV up the, you know, the Rocky Balboa steps, just oh, riding the God. ATV. Just just, mayhem. Just, yeah, just absolute mayhem. And that's like them just getting to the Super Bowl. So them actually winning and beating the best team, best quarterback, best coach, quite possibly of all time. I mean, the city of Philadelphia might not be there the next day. Well, and you kind of wonder if it's going to happen either way. Like, if they win, they're going to freak out because they just did. But it, they might freak out just as bad if they lose, too. <laughs> so let's keep Philadelphia in our hearts and minds as we watch and we enjoy this game this weekend. Who knows what could happen? Coming up on Cast Club Radio, we'll learn from an actual expert some great drinks that you could make for your Super Bowl party or any party you might have coming up. We'll talk to Shelly Buchanan. Uh, she has a great website out there, The Drunken Tomato, which all started with a hangover. It's a pretty great story. We'll talk to Shelly. That's next on Cast Club Radio. Welcome back to Cast Club Radio, the Saturday before Super Bowl Sunday, getting ready for the big game, for the big party, probably having people over. That's why we have our friend Shelly Buchanan on the line. She is the author, the creator behind The Drunken Tomato, an awesome website focused on Bloody Marys, but a lot of other cool things. Shelly actually says that this website got started with a hangover, a hangover cure, and, you know, a lot of hard work. Shelly, tell me about your website, The Drunken Tomato, because uh, Moore and I, the producer, are huge fans and uh, love the part that starts off that it started with a hangover. So can you explain how <laughs> how this whole thing got started? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the Drunken Tomato got started... A little over six years ago, and in my previous career, I used to be a corporate lawyer on Wall Street, so I was always traveling a lot for work, and it's kind of a lonely thing. You know, you work really long hours, Um, so I was always in airports, airplanes, drinking Bloody Marys, and I thought I'd start this fun blog on the side. People loved it. It took off, and now it's my full-time gig. Wow. How did you... Is Bloody Mary has always been a favorite of yours? I saw that you just you're a fan of vodka in general, but has it been always Bloody Marys for you? I'm a vodka drinker, um, but Bloody Marys are are just that kind of cocktail where you almost never know what you're gonna get. You know, it's not like a martini or uh, you know something like that where you kind of it's the same ingredients all the time. With a Bloody Mary, it's different. I mean, you have different mixes, you use different vodkas, and crazy, like, don't even get me started on the garnishes, right? Uh, (laughs) They're works of art. You could go one bar and be completely different than the bar next door. So that's that's what makes Bloody Marys interesting to me. Through this entire process and and getting to write about it and, you know, have all the fun taste testings, what are some of those interesting combinations that you've come up with? I know there's probably, you know, too many to list off, but just a few of your favorites that you've come up with over the years? Some of my favorites are really when people do infused vodkas. Um, mm, that yeah. really just changes the flavor profile of, of the Bloody Mary, right? Like, Because you can yeah. have garlic-infused vodkas, you can have you know pepper-infused ones, and those are just really fun. Absolutely. Are you a big a fan of the garnishes? Do you do something dramatic? Do you like something simple? I love garnishes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there, there's nothing quite like ordering 
one of those crazy $50 Bloody Marys that serves like four people and comes with a whole chicken on top. Wow. Like your eyes just get wide. Like everyone in the restaurant looks at you. Everyone wants to take a photo <laughs> of it. There's nothing beats that. That's great. Where is that a common thing? I, I I have to say I've never seen one of those, but now I want to. Oh, okay. Well, the one that's closest um, to us in Seattle is called The Garage, and it's in Bremerton. <gasps> yeah, okay. And they, oh my God, they, they put everything on that thing. I mean, they even put a bag of Skittles on it. Like, <gasps> it's amazing. No way. It's wild. <laughs> uh, okay, works of art is what is what they're doing now at The Garage. What are some of your favorite vodkas for making Bloody Marys? Actually, Heritage just recently came out with this bees seasoned vodka, and it was done in collaboration with Dimitri's Bloody Mary seasoning, and it's perfect for making Bloody Marys. I mean, it was designed for it. So you have tons of rosemary and thyme and roasted garlic flavor. It's really, really cool. When it comes to party environments, is there a way to make... Bloody Mary's uh, work for a crowd? Does it does it involve setting up a Bloody Mary bar and people can kind of make their own? Yeah, so that's actually something I do at my house every year is, you know, my husband and I invite over a bunch of friends and I set up a Bloody Mary bar. Um, and that's just the easiest way to get people involved in like making their own mixes, picking their vodka, picking their garnishes. And you're already making, you know, finger foods for snacks anyway. So it's great that they double as the garnishes for the Bloody Mary bar. I like that because I feel like that's a way to get someone who might be kind of, I don't know, has a little trepidation about starting one if you put it in their hands and let them have a little creativity in it. I feel like you could win some people over. For sure. Are there any rules about the time of day that you can drink Bloody Marys, though? I mean, is it like only a morning brunch beverage or is it any time? It varies geographically a lot. Um, so in places like New York, yes, they're, they're only a morning drink. In places like Portland, it's any time of day. Why is that? I have no idea. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's really weird. The Bloody Mary completely changes depending on where you are geographically, right? So like in the Midwest, Wisconsin in particular, they're always served with a beer bath. I mean, if you don't get a beer back with your Bloody Mary, like people will throw a fit. <laughs> wow, a beer and then, back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then in Seattle, what I found was, was super weird. When I was writing my um, guide to the best Bloody Marys in Seattle, they don't put celery as a garnish in Bloody Marys. I think there was only like seven places in the entire city that did it. What? So I have no idea why, but that, that's just the cultural, you know, how, how the Bloody Mary is culturally here. What's the biggest difference between East Coast and a West Coast Bloody Mary? East Coast Bloody Marys are more craft and they're more standardized. Um, They're focusing on quality ingredients inside the mix itself. Whereas on the West Coast, we like to play a lot. We like to be, uh, you know, more creative, have, you know, bacon craft rim stalls, have, you know, um, cool garnishes. And it's, yeah, it's definitely more creative, I think, over here in the playful way and then creative there in uh, using top-quality ingredients. Ooh, I like that. Okay, that's a good East Coast-West Coast, West Coast uh, feud that, that we've got going on a little bit. <laughs> so I heard there are even such things as Bloody Mary Fests and, like, Bloody Mary Month, if you're so into this. Can you tell us a little about those? So the Bloody Mary Festivals are amazing. <laughs> if anyone has a chance to go to one of these things, it's unlike anything you've ever experienced. Um, they're, you know, they do, I think, 10, 10 or 11 cities now every year. 
and it's unlimited Bloody Marys. There's a ton of bars and restaurants there serving their unique Bloody Marys. There's also mixed companies and garnishes, and it's super wild. Um, I get to travel to almost all of them. I think I went to all of them except one last year as a judge for the competition. So it's just fun to go and try these crazy Bloody Marys from different bars. Wow, that's yeah. When you when it's for work, that's pretty cool. I always joke that I drink Bloody Marys for a living, but it's true. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of scale do you grade? Do you grade on? Is it just like a one through ten scale? Do you grade them in different categories? Yeah, so there's two awards. It's traditional and original. So somebody who's going after a classic recipe would be graded on that scale. Somebody who's doing something unique, like doing. Um, a beet-infused vodka Bloody Mary would be on more on the unique side. Speaking of that unique side, what is one of the more, I don't know, ingenious things that you've seen coming out of Bloody Marys or people making Bloody Marys recently? Let's see. I think just Bloody Marys generally are crazy. I mean, you could put absolutely anything in a Bloody Mary. And I have this fun talk with other industry people about what is a Bloody Mary? I mean, what mm-hmm. are the essential ingredients to it? Does it have to be tomato juice? Well, no, not necessarily. It can have uh, celery juice, carrot juice, tomatillos, and they're still considered Bloody Marys. Uh, and you could change out the vodka. You could use bourbon. You could, you know, use gin. So it's uh, Bloody Marys are just crazy. I mean, you could do anything to them, and they're still considered a Bloody Mary. I guess th- that is. I don't know too much about the history of the Bloody Mary like, how far does this drink go back, or how far do those, does that, uh, quote, original recipe go back? I think it was like, oh, shoot. I have to look up the date, but I think it was like the 1920s sometime, and it's actually highly disputed okay. uh, to who came up with the original recipe. But the main story people usually tell is uh, this guy uh, named Petiot, and he was at Harry's New York Bar in Paris, and he came up with this recipe of adding vodka to tomato juice. And then when he moved over to New York to work at the King Cold Bar, he added a whole bunch of other ingredients like, you know, the salt and the pepper, the um, hot sauce, the Worcestershire, and then it became a Bloody Mary there. Wow. So, yeah, even the the current recipe a little debated, the history a little debated. I like that. It's got a little mystery to it. Absolutely. Going back to Super Bowl weekend, if they're make this Bloody Mary bar, which everybody should do, uh, and tomorrow or then, I mean, the day after on the Monday, they're nursing a hangover. Do they have to drink a Bloody Mary as well? Is that a good hangover cure? <laughs> well, yeah, that's what I would recommend. <laughs> <laughs> Just the hair of the dog, right? Exactly. It's perfect. <laughs> well, Shelly, your website's amazing, thedrunkentomato.com. Is there any other places or platforms where people should reach out and check you check you out? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you want to see a whole bunch of these crazy Bloody Marys, just visit my Instagram. It's at the Drunken Tomato, and I post Bloody Mary photos all the time. Why not? That's a good way to waste a couple minutes at work. I mean, I I can think of a lot worse. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, Shelly. We really appreciate it. Thank you. You heard it there from Shelly. Make sure to check out her website, thedrunkentomato.com. Follow her on Instagram at thedrunkentomato. You won't regret it. Trust me, your mouth may water a little bit. That's it. Coming up on Cast Club Radio, we close out the hour, close out the day, getting ready for Super Bowl Sunday. We talked a lot about it. 
What's going to go along perfectly with the Bloody Mary that you set up, the crowd pleaser at your house on Super Bowl Sunday? We've got a great recipe for you to try, finger food for you to try that's really easy. Plus, did you know tomorrow is actually a national holiday involving milkshakes? Yeah. So we've got a recipe to honor that, a boozy milkshake you don't want to miss out on. Plus, our final Super Bowl predictions. It's all ahead on Cast Club Radio. Welcome back to Cast Club Radio. Well, speaking of great things that you can possibly make on Super Bowl Sunday, Justin, you've got an idea for for everybody out there. Yeah, we talked a lot about food. You're going to see it on all the national and local TV stations where they're bringing people in to show you how to make cool stuff for your party. We're making a mango salsa with vodka to spice (laughs) it up a little bit. So this is a mango salsa, and we're going to have it on our blog post. That starts with three ripe mangoes and one red bell pepper. Provides some cool red color. Chop it into pieces and add three ounces of our sweet ghost pepper vodka. You want to have that sit overnight. So you want to do this first part of the prep today. And then salsa is going to have a kick. Has a little kick. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, tomorrow you will chop up half of a red onion and half a quarter cup of cilantro and then get one jalapeno. You want to seed that, pull the, the heat out and dice it and then get a quarter cup of lime juice. Mix it all together and add a little salt. Then add the mangoes and the pepper. And if you want it sweeter or less spicy, then you can add more or less of the ghost pepper vodka. Ooh. Yeah. Plenty of kick in there. Yeah. Yeah. And it's something on the lighter side. Lydia and I were talking about how you, one of the stats that we read earlier was that the light beer is so popular. Oh yeah. And she was like, I don't understand because it's kind of a day of gluttony, but I think you're you're doing the light beer so that you can stuff yourself with food a little more, but everything's so heavy. It's nice to have a lighter option like that. Yeah. And if you plan ahead, so you maybe have younger kids who are going to be there at the parties and you've got people who maybe don't want some of the alcohol, then you can make two batches side by side. One is adult and one is virgin. And it covers most of the food groups. You got fruits, vegetables, uh, there's no bread and there's no dairy, but (laughs) the rest of the table, I assume, will be covered with with all that stuff. The chips that you're using to then dig it out. That's right. That adds to it. And if you're looking to round out the food pyramid and you want dairy, we'll move to the cocktail we've found. Uh, So tomorrow is National Milkshake day. Oh, what a great day. Right? I mean, it probably gets overshadowed a little bit because it's, fo- I mean, because of the Super Bowl, but that should be a separate holiday in its own right. I think it's beautiful that they're coinciding. <laughs> yeah, That's perfect. right. So February 4th is eat a milkshake for breakfast day officially. And uh, so we made a boozy breakfast milkshake. Also, we'll be on the blog post and at Cast Club Radio on Facebook. Two large scoops of mocha almond ice cream. Good start. Good start. <laughs> you can stop right there, but keep going. Quarter cup of milk in the blender, and then uh, one and a half ounces of our brown sugar bourbon, the 103 proof version, BSB 103. Put those in the blender and get a big spoon. Yeah. Do you have to share? I mean, when you no. say, okay, good. I was no. going to say, Ooh. no. I mean, one of those long spoons. Just right? so that so you can, can dig it all out. Okay. Yeah. I love yeah. that you can start off the day fulfilling like a childhood fantasy. Like, you can't have ice cream for breakfast. Yes, I can. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> so for your party, you can have your blender going, making the, the boozy milkshakes leading up to the, the big game. We call it the big game, not That's right. blank bowl because <laughs> we don't want to get 
in trouble. A cease and desist letter from the NFL. <laughs> and uh, then you finish off with your mango salsa. It's perfect. Spicy ghost pepper. <laughs> so who are we picking? Yeah, who, what who are you your predictions for the game? Well, moreover here, it's, we can't ask her totally because she's biased. a little biased. We've established that. And everyone lifelong. hates my team. So you guys go ahead. Not no. everyone. No, no. <laughs> lifelong, lifelong Patriots fan over there. So I'm, I'm guessing you're you're going for Brady. You're rooting for Brady. And uh, Vegas would agree with you. All sensical people, I think, would agree with you. <laughs> Let's set a number on the over or under. How many high fives will the refs give Tom Brady? Oh my god. Pats on the back. <laughs> At all counts. Tom. Yeah. Any kind of, any, anything. And it, is so it much greatness, three? even the referees have to acknowledge it. It's his <laughs> eighth Super Bowl. Come so on. Much, so my, much greatness. My prop bet was how many, the over under on how many times the word underdog will be mentioned in the broadcast mm-hmm. because that's Philly's claim to fame. You know, they've got the, they're sporting the dog masks. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've got dog the number t-shirts. one seed. I know, but that's what happens when you go against Tom Brady and the greatness that is. The well, Patriots. with a backup quarterback named Nick Foles, that. When half your team goes down <laughs> along the season, I mean. It's... So, did you see the videos of the Minnesota Vikings fans walking the gauntlet in Philly on the way to the game, and the yeah. fans throwing cans of beer at them and yes, all this stuff? Pretty okay. terrible. Now, the game is being played where? Yeah. Minnesota. Oh, in Minnesota. in Minnesota. Do you think that there are going to be legions of Minnesota Vikings fans? to prepare a gauntlet to start throwing cans of beer at all the Philly fans or walk into their stadium. I don't think you want to do that because we've seen the videos of what is going on with Philly fans and that's just somebody, that's a fan base you don't want to mess with. I, I mean, they're, gli- say, they're climbing greased poles. We, I mean, we saw those crazy stories, but I will say that apparently um, there are some fans that have been donating to head coach for the Vikings, Mike Zimmer's foundation, trying to apologize for the actions of other Philadelphia fans. That's cool. <laughs> towards Vikings fans during that game. So there See, I read where there were some people trying to make it right. I read the donations. They went around to pick up all the cans of beer and that's what they are donating. <laughs> the cans of beer that have been thrown around at them. <laughs> Don't shake it. Mm-mm. Either way, it's going to be exciting. Well, how are you guys watching? Are you having a party? Are you having people over entertaining by any chance? Um, uh, my answer is we haven't decided yet, so oh. it's not going to be a huge affair this year for us. We'll probably just get together with family and, and have some mango salsa. Maybe some milkshakes, yeah. <laughs> Maybe some milkshakes. Yeah. Yeah. Good combo. Yeah. And then we have to look forward to that. What do we have coming up? What What is your favorite, Lydia, your favorite holiday of the year? Oh, well, I feel like I can't even mention it anymore because people are starting to think I'm just a weirdo. Okay. But yeah, pitchers and catchers report date, you guys. It's, it's otherwise, the best holiday of the year. Otherwise Some people as, call it Valentine's Day, right. whatever. Yeah. But I mean, <laughs> pitchers and catchers really overshadows that. Yeah. So that's, that's coming up in uh, just a little more than a week. Yeah. Crazy. Right? Just before that, I think you guys have an event that kind of goes along with Valentine's Day, right? We Chocolate do. Fest. Next, next Saturday at Pike. Brewing Company down near uh, Pike Place Market is Choco Fest. Oh, I'm already in. Yeah. 60 bucks to get your ticket. And you can go to pikebrewing.com. The event will run next Saturday from 6 to 9. We will be there. We have a booth. We'll be pouring some of our uh, BSB and some of our other whiskeys. And uh, they got lots of breweries, wineries, distilleries, and most important, chocolate purveyors. It's perfect. And it goes so well with whiskey and, and yeah, wine. Yeah, and the and wine and some of the beers. I'll be and there. <laughs> Proceeds go to our friends at Puget Sound Keeper. That's a nonprofit organization that's trying to uh, maintain the health of Puget Sound and the waters and everything in Puget Sound. So it's a good, worthy cause. Yeah, even better. And it's probably a great Valentine's, early Valentine's Day date. It is. Valentine's Day is in the middle of the week. So this is, you know, if you're going to look for a way to spend your Saturday, it's come on down and visit us at Pike Brewing. Well, as always, people, if you've missed an episode of the podcast you can check it out at uh, heritagedistilling.com there's a link right on the front page or you can go to 
MyNorthwest.com and click on the Cairo podcast section. We're under there in Cast Club Radio. Download any of the podcasts you might have missed. And if you want to check out more, we talked about these great recipes, these delicious recipes. You can check Heritage Distilling out again on your website, also on Facebook. Cast Club Radio. Check us out. Like us. Follow us. Uh, share. Post questions, post photos, anything interesting, anything in the world of uh, beer, wine, spirits, food, entertainment. And we're interested to know what you want to hear about. All right. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to Cask Club Radio, brought to you by Heritage Distilling, part of Cairo Weekends on Cairo Radio 97.3 FM. Check us out on MyNorthwest.com to learn more and catch up on past episodes. Cask Club Radio, brought to you by Heritage Distilling on Cairo Radio 97.3 FM.